Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's the Afternoon Underdogs on Cards Radio 790 KRD. Now, here's Tony Vanetti and Dave Jennings. Just half of the duo today. We'll bring Dwight in here in a little bit as well. Dave Jennings here. Tony Vanetti is on vacation. We are the Afternoon Underdogs 2.0. Delivered by Papa John's Pizza. Order online, papajohns.com. They do it right. They've been doing it for a long time. And sales are up. Not coincidentally, because they are now title sponsor right here on News Radio 840. We are still, or even 790 KRD, you know, one of those two stations that we're on. Even though we're still in a situation without sports, what has happened over the past few days around our city and around the nation would certainly trump any game that might have happened. You, of course, know what I'm talking about protests here in town regarding Breonna Taylor and around the country, which began in Memphis, I'm sorry, Memphis and Minneapolis. I want to read for you a statement. This is from Chris Mack, Louisville's basketball coach, regarding what's been happening. It's very powerful stuff. Here we go. Quote, what an incredibly sad time in our country. The fact that we are more than 200 years old as a country and can't figure it out is incomprehensible. Basketball has always broken down stereotypes, especially within the confines of a team. On a team, you learn one another, push one another, support one another, and love one another. Sadly, not everyone gets to experience a togetherness like that of a college basketball team, but life outside of the locker room and off the court looks and feels different for most of my players. This isn't something new. It was like that when I played years ago, too. I knew it then, and I know it now. Who could watch George Floyd die on the street and not think, what in the hell is wrong with people? I just can't comprehend that kind of treatment to anyone. It feels like our country is going backwards. I've never experienced anything like some of the players I coach have experienced. To get pulled over by a policeman only aggravates me. It's an inconvenience. It never made me fear for my life. It shouldn't do that to anyone. But yet here we still are. I pray that our country can change. Wrapping up, Chris Mack said, On Monday, our team gets to Louisville for the first time since the abrupt ending of our season. I'm looking forward to listening to my players, their fears, their stories, their advice. I hope that we can play a part in helping to heal an entire community we proudly represent. Again, those are the words of Chris Mack. Cahill Fennell, which is the basketball operations guy for UofL, was picked up on a curfew violation, aiding the protesters over the weekend. We had an Indiana football player. Chris Beatty was shot and killed in Indianapolis. He was an offensive lineman at IU from 2000 through 2004. And I thought, what better guy to bring in is, is someone similar to me. He's, of course, much more accomplished and well-respected and a tiny bit older. But he is a guy that... Oh, we don't have him yet? Oh, okay. We're going to talk to Fred Calgill here in just a few minutes because Freddie's a guy that, much like me, he came to this town many, many years ago. I grew up in Rochester, New York, and he grew up. I'm not sure, but we'll get that from him. But I've been here since 1991. I moved away from my quote-unquote hometown in upstate New York when I was 14 years old. So I've been in Louisville now for going on 30 years. So this is absolutely my hometown now, and, and I know... 
that he feels the exact same way. So we'll talk to Fred Calgill when he gets in here in a little bit. We'll also talk to Jody Demling. Jody Demling, of course, had a bout with COVID-19. It doesn't generally affect healthy people like it does right now. And Jody was one of those guys that that fell prey, and he it, it took him a long time to get off the ventilator and recover, but he is almost all the way back. Jody Demling will be live on the air at 6 o'clock today for the first time with the Cardinal Insider. A couple of other news and notes in college football. Oh, by the way, the College Football Hall of Fame in Atlanta was damaged on Friday during the protest for the death of George Floyd. They broke some glass. Protesters did not enter the interior of the hall. Protesters did break into the gift shop and steal merchandise, leaving it pretty trashed. If you had to guess how much merchandise was taken and what was the largest item stolen, we really won't know that. Maybe Auburn? Sad for Auburn fans. Pat Dye, he died at the age of 80. He had a battle with kidney disease. It was a lengthy a lengthy battle. He did have COVID-19. They're not saying that was the cause of death. Certainly a contributing factor. He was 99, 39, and 4 and won four SEC titles at Auburn from 1981 through 1992. College Football Hall of Famer since 2005. He was the school's AD for a while, for a decade, 1981 through 1991. Auburn wasn't much before die. Then he was a, a national power topping Alabama in the Iron Bowl, breaking a nine-game losing streak to their cross-state rival. The field at Jordan-Hare Stadium, named in his honor back in 2005. What else is happening? Oh, big news for Major League Baseball. The NBA is kind of getting their act together, and we're thinking the NBA will get things going around July the 30th. The issue's there. They want to have the playoffs. They want to invite maybe 20 to 22 teams. So if the NBA playoffs go as long as they will, they'll end maybe in October, and then they're thinking about kicking off next season on Christmas Day. But at least the NBA seems to have a plan in place. Major League Baseball, they're kind of going back and forth, and they're running the risk of having some really bad optics. So Major League Baseball, they put their proposal out there. It was for an 82-game season, and then it also called for pay cuts. Some of the owners now even chiming in saying, you know what, if we had to nuke the season We'd kind of be okay with that. Players, of course, don't want that financially or otherwise. The Players Association countered with a modified 2020 season in their proposal. It's a 114-game season that would begin on June the 30th and end October the 31st. That's 114 games and roughly, I want to say about 123, 124 days. That would be nine days off, not even figuring in any weather-related postponements and that sort of thing. So other key parts of the plan, every player has the right to opt out of participating like a lot of your workplace right now. If you're not comfortable going into work or doing what you have to do, you can generally stay home. We had that option. We decided to tough out for the good of sports fans everywhere, even when there aren't any sports. Now, if you opt out as a player, though, and this will be kind of interesting because these are all young guys, but I imagine some have underlying conditions. If Major League Baseball players are deemed to be high risk, they will get their salary. Others receive only service time. There's a salary deferral plan also in the event the postseason is canceled due to another wave of COVID-19. They want two years of expanded playoffs, probably another wild card team, and for the players to pick up a $100 million advance during the second spring training. So, so far, the sticking points between the league and the union, well-being of players and essential workers, including testing and health protocols, and, of course, uh, financial compensation so stay tuned they hope to begin 
by the end of June. I was all along hoping for a July 4th start. We got baseball, apple pie, and you know all the things American. If we can start and have one big Independence Day celebration on July 4th, beginning with Major League Baseball, I would love to have that. So it's been all talk so far. We all want sports to come back. Maybe, just maybe, we have Major League Baseball at the end of June and the NBA toward the end of July. Actually, there's another report saying that June 4th could be a deal. Nope, July 31st, the target date now, according to The Athletic for the NBA. The Board of Governors is expected to vote to approve Adam Silver's recommendation on a format next Thursday. So the June 4th date that I had is the next date for the NBA. If it all gets approved, they don't have the same squabbles that Major League Baseball has between ownership and the union. So it could be at the end of July. As of right now, 20 to 22 teams are expected to be invited to Orlando. We're going to take a quick break and check in with Jody Demling, and hopefully Fred Calgill will join us as well. A whole bunch more to get to today. It's been a sad time, and some powerful interviews are coming up. I hope you stick around for the 4 o'clock hour, and I probably shouldn't have mentioned that, but it's one of those things that we're going to do today because of what happened over the past few days. There's an iconic photograph that went around. You've probably seen it on social media now, right in front of Bear Nose in downtown Louisville. There was a police officer, and you got the impression, if you ever watched some of those wildlife shows, some of the, the predators and the prey, they'll wait for someone to kind of get separated from the rest of the group. That kind of happened to this officer, and there were some protesters who were there for the right reasons to protest and get a message out who saw this officer downtown by himself with protesters approaching that seemed to not have the best of intentions. And these, these young men got in front of the officer, they joined arms, and they kept the other protesters at bay. So everything, everyone is fine. A situation that could have gotten out of control did not. We'll hear from the Courier-Journal photographer that took that picture and two of those guys that locked arms to protect the police officer. That, my friends, is what Louisville is all about. 571-7900 if you'd like to chime in. couple of guests coming up right here on 790 KRD. Another gorgeous evening in the Ville. Another night to grill out. We shall do that. Remember, we're delivered by Papa John's Pizza. So if you are grilled out, if that's even possible, Papa John's will get the wings to you, the delicious pizza, and they'll do it contact-free. Order online, papajohns.com, the afternoon underdogs. Tony's on vacation. Dave Jennings here. And I thought about the past few days, and I thought about a sportscaster in town who's been around for a little while, a little longer than me, who loves this city as much as I do, if not more, has covered so many things. And we watch the television, WLKY's Fred Cowgill, and we see places that we love, sites that we visit, all in disarray and wonder what is going on with our city. Hey, Freddie. I'm glad to hear you're safe and all that. We're all safe here as well. Um, yeah, it's been a tough uh, window of time for everybody in a lot of ways and a lot of levels, some more than others, obviously. And um, I lived through the riots in New York City in the late 60s. I was a kid, uh, and it scared me to death. I didn't understand. Um, now, fast forward to 62 years old, and I understand. Uh, and I think the important thing now is for everybody to try, if it's possible, to remember what they're trying to accomplish and what the best way to accomplish this is. There are a lot of serious issues, and it's going to take serious people uh, to put on their so-called big boy pants to try to solve these problems, but it's not going to go away overnight. 
And I read Chris Mack's statement, which was very powerful, and he talked about sports, and sports have always kind of been what we hope society to be. Everyone has the, each other's back. They learn together. They, they fight together. They love together. They're from different backgrounds and different races. But then after the games are over and the season comes to an end, a lot of these players go to very different environments so that that camaraderie they have isn't necessarily there or the same for them once they leave that locker room or that arena. Right. Agreed. Sports uh, can be a noble and honorable distraction from life's brutal realities. And uh, one of the reasons I got into it a million years ago, uh, I grew up a sports fan, a third-generation sports fan. I dad and grandfather before me uh, went to games all the time, and it was intoxicating. And it's a place you can go and in, in some fashion have a different kind of set of rules in a different society, at least for a short period of time. But we, we do have issues. And what's happened the last few days and the last few weeks, even going all the way into the pandemic and all that, I think has contributed to the tinderbox to some degree that this has become. But for me, there are a number of levels to this. It starts with the basic issue of we're either in this together or we're not. And that goes to politics to some degree. We have two very different cultural entities now in our politics about uh, people who are trying to bring people together and people who are trying to push people apart. It's pretty obvious. And uh, I, for one, uh, would like to be part of the solution and part of it being together. Um, so addressing the issues of what's happened in Minneapolis, what's happened in Louisville, and what's happened for a long time. I mean, some some use the word systemic in that, okay? Well, I've always believed, Dave, that when we talk about, as an example, business models and sports, mm-hmm. we talk about the NCAA and all that, I've said, you know, it's going to take a major event to change this. We can't, we can't keep escalating salaries this way. We can't keep walking down this road. It's going to crash, and it's going to take some cataclysmic event to change that business model. And I would make the case that that's what's happening here um, in society, uh, and certainly with the pandemic as well as the racial and social issues we're, uh, you know, encountering. And I would like to believe, you know, look, I'm not trying to sugarcoat this. It's awful what's happening. But it is an opportunity. Uh, And through opportunities comes significant change. And the, the issue now for me is the other levels to this that are pulling away from those solutions. Looting cannot be part of the answer. Violence cannot be part of the answer. I mean, it's it just, there's no happy ending in those, those paths. And frankly, I don't believe the people who are really trying to solve these problems in a positive way are part of those paths. So, um, you know, frankly, <laughs> we've got a long way to go. I was in uh, Atlanta mm-hmm. uh, a week ago Saturday. It was at Stone Mountain, which is the biggest monument to the Confederacy. And I had only been there once but never really embraced the significance uh, and the levels of that monument and how that was built in the 1900s. I think it was started in 1920-something and finished around 1970, give or take. So that monument was only built round numbers 50 years ago. And it was a monument to the Confederacy and what it stood for, uh, which... Um, you can make the case now is politically enormously incorrect. And so just when I want to believe that we've made a lot of progress, um, events like this happen, and I realize we still have a long way to go. So, um, you know, I'm a white guy and a 60-year-old guy in society, but I have always tried to reach to the other side of the aisle. I've always tried to reach to the other side of, of everything I've been around to try to be part of that solution and help. 
uh, with whatever breath I have left, I'm going to try to help people. And there are people out there now really hurting, both financially, because of the pandemic and losing jobs and all that. We may have 25% unemployment, uh, as well as the politics of all of this and the racial levels of all of this. So, you know, it's going to take really serious people to do this. And there are they're out there, but... When you see fires raging downtown, it's hard to dial that back. But that's what we're going to have to do. Talking with Fred Calgill, sports director at WLKY-TV. The NFL is struggling a little bit with optics because, on one hand, they're very supportive of the protesters today but weren't very supportive of Colin Kaepernick not that long ago. I, I never had a problem with Colin Kaepernick's message. It was the choice of the national anthem uh, that kind of bothered me a little bit. Do we need to and does the NFL need to revisit the way the Kaepernick thing was handled over the past few years? Hmm. That's an excellent question, Dave. Uh, above my pay grade, uh, I can tell you what I think uh, if I were in charge. Uh, at the end of the day, again, I go back to the original message, we're in this together. Mm-hmm. And the vast majority of, uh, I, I could be wrong about this, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I'm almost positive the vast majority of the NFL is filled with minorities. And so that is a great way to say, okay, you know, maybe maybe we were wrong about some of the things we've said and done. But we still, you know, the national anthem still stands for something bigger than all of us. I mean, this this democracy we have is a noble experiment, going back to Thomas Jefferson and others who, you know, they had their faults. We're insanely imperfect, but the ideals and the goals are there. And, you know, for a long time, women didn't have the right to vote. I mean, you could go on and on in the injustices. Mm-hmm. But it's going to take time. Blowing up the world, uh, the anarchists out there, it's not going to solve the problem. And frankly, I still believe this experiment is one of the most noble and honorable in the history of mankind, 6,000 years. There's never been a country that's really tried something like this. There have been pieces of it, uh, and, and we have had our issues, haven't we? But um, if you embrace that, that's what I'd like the NFL to do, embrace it. Okay, we have made our mistakes, and... You know, and like my little girl, Grace, used to say, I've said my sorries. They need to say their sorries. And then try to figure out now where to go from here. So there's a duplicity because right now I don't think they've really walked down that road very far. Now, is Kaepernick the poster guy for that? Maybe. Maybe. That, that, that to say, you know, we still don't believe you should be kneeling at the national anthem because there's something bigger. But we're going we're gonna to try to take the high road here. We've, we've had our problems. We've, we went through a bad divorce. Maybe we can reach out again. I mean, it, it's not going to solve anything to sit on, on the other side of the fence and just yell at each other. It's not. So how do we find some common ground? That's what I think this, at the end of the day, is really all about. And, Fred, you touched on something after the COVID pandemic, and, of course, this, especially COVID, though. It gave a reset to sports. Uh, pro sports are trying to figure out how to restart. College football is trying to figure out how to restart. But before we got into this that was so January ago when everything was normal. But we, we watched the landscape change. We watched the Big Ten get these crazy TV deals, and people get charged five bucks a month, whatever, whether they wanted it or not, and just obscene amounts of money going in, and the TV money off the charts, and Adidas and shoe companies and money here, money going there. And then we, we get to the point where I read about Ohio State football, which you think is one of the blue buds, and they are. And they had, I'm just making up the numbers now, but in, in general terms, they took in $120 million and put out $130 million. So when I, when I saw that, I said, if that program is barely hanging on, how much longer can that go? We pay coaches not to coach. Some famous examples out there, Charlie Strong was getting paid by two or three people at once. 
And that model just can't happen. So now you have all these programs on hold. You have minor sports being canceled, mostly outside of the Power Five. Uh, no disrespect to those in the Olympic sports, but the minor sports that don't have a lot of revenue attached. So moving forward, Fred, and restarting, I think almost every, hopefully, athletic department looks at everything and says, okay, what's really necessary? I know when we were high on the hog and making just enough money to cover everything, we had a lot of people around here. But I'm thinking a lot of people that aren't completely necessary may not come back. And if that's the case, will we eventually decide, okay, these coaches' contracts are ridiculous too. These guaranteed deals after a year, we used to get your $25 million, even if we say go away, has to stop. But what school is going to be the first one to usher that change? That, then therein lies the rub. Who's going to have the guts? No, there. Um, I think there's going to be a dramatic market shift. You know, for years we've heard the excuse that was a market-driven decision. We paid Coach X, the football coach mm-hmm. at Calgill University, five million dollars a year because we wanted a good coach, and that's what the market will bear. When I got in in 1975, when I first started broadcasting a million years ago, uh, the coach at Louisville made around fifty thousand dollars a year in, in football and basketball. And then he. Uh, came in and was probably making a little more than that, but a whole bunch. But obviously, uh, things escalated to the point now where uh, Nick Saban's making round numbers $10 million a year, John Calipari $8 million a year. This is unsustainable on so many levels. And morally and ethically, as much as just financial, if you've got college professors who haven't had a raise in years, if you've got a, uh, uh, Dave Jennings, Professor Jennings of Communications at the University of Louisville making $75,000 a year and not had a raise in 10 years, and you, you have a coach or coaches well into seven figures mm-hmm. and a number of them, I, I have a problem with that. And I've had three kids that go to UofL, and so I've, I've, to a large degree, put my money where my mouth is about education and want to keep it local and all that. And, and it, it's by and large been a good experience, but... I see this broken business model where the schools are spending so much money on non-student uh, athletes, non-student part of it, uh, and so much on the athletic part of it, it's out of balance. So, you know, because you know there is round numbers, 25% unemployment, and because we don't know what kind of season we're going to have or seasons in football and basketball, but they will be fragmented if we have them, probably will, probably you know, in the 20,000, 30,000 person range for football. And this is a mainstream mm-hmm. opinion that, that I could be wrong. Uh, and basketball, it's another good question. I mean, how do you, uh, how do you put the, the empty seats in front of you, behind you, and on both sides? How much do you lose? So the athletic department now is standing to lose 40% of its budget, round numbers. Ohio State two years ago had to raise ticket prices in football. Uh, I think it was only a dollar, but they raised them all just to break even. That was around 2017 or 18, and so now they're losing money. When, when you have the the best of the best in terms of you know broad based success in sports losing money, that can't go on. I mean, it's wrong. And I, look, I'm as big a fan of college athletics as anybody. I mean, I it is right in my wheelhouse. One of the reasons I came to Louisville, one of the reasons I stayed in Louisville, was because of college athletics. And we would brag how Louisville's basketball was bringing in $28 million a year. Number one of the Forbes had it, number one of the country. And had a Duke. And a, that's great, but you can't keep doing that. When people are not getting raises or they're laid off, furloughed, unemployed, and you're getting double digit raises in tuition as well as salaries every year in selected things like college sports, I mean, medicine. I mean, this can't, this is not, you know, college tuition. It's unsustainable. The University of Louisville's tuition uh, in 2000, I think, was $4,000 a year and is now wow. roughly almost, yeah, I know. 
is almost four times that. Now, a lot of that in defense of the school is because of the reduced funding from the state of Kentucky. It's a chain reaction. There there are other issues as well. But, you know, for people who don't get raises or have been, you know, the average family of four in the United States makes about $60,000 a year. So by definition, people, why is NASCAR struggling? Hello? The middle class has been gutted. I mean, and so now even more so with all the, the problems with tourism and uh, the airline industry and all that. So it's a long way to answer your question, but yes, I do believe this is the beginning of a change. This is the, the, the final train wreck that caused everybody to look around and say, we've got to do something. Who's going to have the guts? Yep. The next guy who at Calgary University, I'm the AD now, and I need a new football coach. What am I going to do? Well, I don't have enough money. I mean, it doesn't matter what I want to do. I may want to hire Dave Jennings, the coach, for, for $5 million, but I don't have that money anymore. I'll do it for, for half that. Right. It won't be a decision based on I don't want to do it. It's a decision I can't do it. So, Dave, if you want to come here, I can give you two. It's happening already in Olympic sports across the country. They're either being eliminated or being dramatically reduced, or coaches are being let go, other people coming in for half their salaries. It's happening in significant ways, and some on our radar, you know, in, in terms of the Louisville metropolitan area, we've seen it. So, and you know, how do you, if you're Vince Tyree and you've got a budget of $110 million, but you, your cash flow looks at maybe 60, what are you going to do? How are you going to come up with $50 million? That's what he is. Now, he's a very astute businessman. He had a lot of success in the business world. This may be his biggest challenge of his career. No doubt about it. You mentioned coaching money, and Denny used to tell this uh, story on the show all the time during the Joby and Denny show when we did that. But Coach Wooden, despite all of his success, John Wooden was never paid more than $40,000 a year by UCLA. Right, right. It's amazing. Yeah, it, it, people forget that. And uh, I very much remember, I mean, I still remember getting here in 1986 and going, you know, I want to meet all these people before I go on the air, and I had a, a short list, and, of course, Denny Crum was on it. They just won the national championship. I came in a couple of months after the, the championship, and uh, they're like, he's at Crawford Gym. I'm like, okay, what, what's Crawford Gym? Uh, it's it's a little, uh, you know, modest practice facility on campus, and, I'm, and I kind of look quizzically, not really understanding. I sort of had the impression just, you know, in what you put in your head, they just won a national championship. It must be a really nice place. Not that it wasn't nice, but Crawford Gym was, as we all know, very modest. Sure. Because it was so modest, it produced an awful lot of good basketball players because they had to practice, and among many things, non-air conditioning. Griff and all those other guys literally would play their pick-up games in the summertime from the time he was in, like, eighth grade, and no air conditioning. And Louisville in the summertime in a gym can be daunting, to say the least. But that's what it was then. It, it, I mean, it's, you know, and I understand why, and a lot of it, you know, I'm part of the, the, the cycle, the broadcasting and CBS and the NCAA basketball tournament became exponentially more successful and revenue producing. And the most recent contract, I want to say, and I, I, I'll probably be off about this, but in, in the solar system, over $2 billion, so much so that CBS couldn't carry it anymore. And so we split it with Turner Broadcasting, and now we alternate a variety of things along the way. So what do you do with that when you're $2 billion? I mean, it's just, it's too big a number to get your arms around. But that is what is helping fuel this. And now the new, as you touched on the Big Ten Network and the ACC Network. And, I mean, the Big Ten Network was one of the first of the major uh, college league-driven networks. And it was, in its early days, it started turning $20 million a school a year. I mean, that's, for schools looking for new revenue streams, that became, you know, pretty lucrative. So, but they can't keep finding new revenue streams. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and now what's happened here, we are at a crossroads. And 
I, I hate to say I told you so, but and I don't like that expression, but I have. I've said it to myself that this just can't keep going this way. And as much as I love the sports, sure. Well, Will the competition be just as good? Of course it will. But the, things are going to change. I mean, how are we going to play football this fall, even in high school? Are you going to do eight-man football? How can you reduce the risk? These are student athletes. And, Dave, I mean, I, I'm wrestling with this. I've got uh, a son who's a senior at Louisville and could easily be playing football. They t- chose a different path, chose mm-hmm. acting. But I'm like, I wouldn't let you go out there. I wouldn't. I mean, there's there's still kids until they get that degree until they go out in the real world they are they get a hall pass in my mind's eye they are still I don't care how much they can sell their name now or whatever it is when you're in college you're still a kid and so are you telling me all these kids are going to go play football this fall in that kind of environment without a vaccine I mean I don't care how much you test what happens when the first guy tests positive right after a game then what happens I mean, I, I just I, I have a problem with that. I mean, I, as much as I, lo- I want to see football, as much as anybody, please explain to me how that business model works, that you're going to put an 18 or 19 or 20-year-old young man. Oh, we tested him. Well, some schools aren't testing. Western Kentucky's not testing. There are many who are bringing kids back on campus and are not testing. I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to lose my mind. I'm like, I mean, this can't – what about certain states are going to be locked down more than others? So is Florida going to forfeit – or rather, Kentucky forfeit a game to Florida if we can, if the University of Kentucky can't field the team because the governor says no? I mean, yep. wh- how does that work? Well, this, so, is, this is where money comes in, Fred, because schools need their yeah. tuition money in the fall. Uh, yeah. a, lot of, a lot of parents are going to say, okay, if you're going to have online courses, I'm not paying you $30,000 a year for those online courses. We'll yeah, check yeah. back in in January or check with – with a junior college or some University of Phoenix thing or something like that, and then college football, they're saying we cannot not have the TV money or we're not going to survive, period. So the best interests of people health-wise are running up against the almighty dollar. Right, and I, I understand. Now, here's the other side of that argument, and I, I'm all about you know trying to distance myself and listen to people who I respect on both sides of the fence Give me information, your best shot, as best you can, as unvarnished as you can. And the other side of the argument is as many people die from depression and from bankruptcy and from financial issues as die from illness and virus and all that. Okay, I understand that. So where's the middle ground? Well, some would argue, what about the NFL, to your point earlier in the the conversation? You know, they, because of the juice they have, can get enough tests and have the money to at least give us something, some some place to start some traction. You know, some baseball players now and the whole MLB thing going on, trying to salvage whatever they can from the season. A lot of the guys are like, I ain't going to play. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's insane. But, and, but here's the issue. They're professionals. And whether it's professional wrestling or uh, horse racing or Major League Baseball or basketball, NBA, you have a choice. You, you sign a waiver. I understand my risks. I'm going to play. Okay. I, you know, I... That's your decision, and if we can minimize the risks, if that's the middle ground as an experiment to try one and see what happens and see where it goes, not trying to close your mind off to the possibilities, okay. But now my big problem then in that conversation is college. I mean, although the university will go broke, well, I'm sorry, but these are kids, and they're not professionals. Now, 
so the kids say, I'm not going to do it. They have that, you're right, they have that choice. But now there's economic pressure for many of those young men uh, and women in, in Olympic sports and all that uh, who are using school as a way out from a challenged or impoverished background, which now brings in the whole uh, racial issue. And, and the, the, the numbers, unfortunately, still bear out that uh, non-white people are more challenged in trying to better their lives. And so college scholarships, athletic scholarships, are a way out. So now there's pressure from that young man, that 19-year-old Fred Calio, who's African-American, who doesn't maybe really want to play but really doesn't have a choice because it's his way out from mm-hmm. maybe a challenged background. So um, this is a very imperfect situation. For the pros, I would say I can see starting this and see where it goes. But for people to to disconnect, Dave, and say, you know, we're past the worst of it. There's going to be an echo. There's yep. going to be a significant echo. Look at all the in the last few days of people in these crowds um, without masks. And even if they have masks, I mean, by being close together, it's going to happen. It's statistically, I mean, impossible to argue right. that there's going to be an echo effect. So we've got some tough times ahead of us still. This This is far from over. Fred, I wanted to get this in, something non-COVID related or protest related. The Derby is near and dear to your heart. I know you missed that the first Saturday in May. What does your gut tell you about a September Derby? And also the positive test in Arkansas for Baffert's horses, two of them with lidocaine. Charlatan, one of the Derby favorites, was one of them. How big is doping in horse racing, do you think? I don't, I, I don't want it to be like cycling where everybody was doing it or Major League Baseball when Sammy and McGuire were going at it. I hope it's not that bad. But your thoughts on doping, that particular case with Baffert and Charlatan, and also what's the Derby going to look like in September? Let me take the Derby first. Uh, yes, there's going to be a Derby, and yes, there are going to be fans. I really believe that. Um, I've talked to people who uh, are above my pay grade and are smart enough to know all the levels to it, and I think there's a conviction uh, that the Derby will be held on the first Saturday in September and the Oaks on that Friday. And there will be fans. Now, how will that work? A lot of those things are being worked out. There are challenges. Uh, from the seating standpoint, they've got about 100,000 seats, round numbers. And so maybe you get 30,000 people. But that would mean, again, taking up the seat in front of you, the seat behind you, mm-hmm. and the seat to both sides of you. The, the bigger issue, and they've got suites and all that, which can help in some ways also. The bigger issue is, how do you take betting? So because in betting, you're going to have to take out the line on each side of the person. I mean, it's like, you know, skip a line, there he is. And, and also... Not to mention six feet in front, six feet behind. Uh, and concessions. Uh, you start backing up lines, how can people walk? Mm-hmm. So those are issues that I think are being worked on right now. But I believe there's a conviction based on uh, sincere negotiations between a very heartfelt horse racing industry and Churchill Downs and the governor to make this happen. And to their credit, they are over the top with, I mean, we're not even allowed on the property media right now. So they are really, really, really trying hard to, uh, take advantage of an opportunity, frankly, that horse racing has not had day. Back in the 40s, uh, yes, before I was born, my kids asked me how Jesus <laughs> was. Tell me he's a great guy, but even before I was born, horse racing had the opportunity to be on national TV and said no. They were scared that it hurt the gate. Hmm. And baseball took it and exploded. And so horse racing now has a chance that it's, you know, again, opportunities through adversities. And now they have, horse racing has an opportunity to make a place for itself that it might have never had any other way. And so Churchill's trying to take advantage of that. And I applaud them for it. I, I think it's probably going to happen. And these people, if anybody can handle a party, it's these guys. Oh, yeah. And they've handled it well for a long, long time. This is their biggest challenge in 146 years. 
but if anybody can do it, they can. As far as the horse racing thing goes, um, in terms of uh, doping, a lot of levels to this as well, longer than your radio show. I've often said that we could fill a three-hour show, and I wouldn't have to take a breath. And I, I could go on and on about the serious issues surrounding horse racing. Uh, total disclosure, Bob Baffert is a friend. Mm-hmm. Joe Baffert, his wife, is a friend. He used to work for WLKY. And that makes this difficult. Um, I've talked to them both, and they both are defending themselves that, you know, this is not what it appears to be. And until that is proven, I, I take them at face value. I, I've known them a long, long time. There are people of integrity who love horses. I've been in their barn when horses have broken down, and it is beyond horrific. There, there's no way to sugarcoat that. These are people who care about horses, care about horse racing, have fought hard about fighting against PETA and people who are trying to basically shut the sport down. I, I don't know. I mean, I've not seen the test. Again, mm-hmm. that is a, supposed to be a secretive process. I know. Uh, and it's possible. It is possible to test positive And then when, because they always take two. Uh, when they take the second test, they can come up negative. Uh, lidocaine is, is a, uh, a cream that is used in many cases in horse racing. But it's not allowed. If I'm, I don't have the rules in front of me, but I think it's on race day. It's not allowed. Bob wasn't there. He was in California when the races were going on. So, but again, he's responsible. He, that's his stable, even though he wasn't there. Did he? Did somebody do it without him knowing it? Again, the, in the details, I don't know. But I do know that the sport has a massive image problem, and. It started with the breakdowns at Santa Anita. It's been going on off and on over the years, all the way back to Ruffian breaking down in the, the, the horrible match race in the mid-'70s with the horse called Foolish Pleasure uh, in a match race in New York City. He was the derby winner. Ruffian was an unbeaten filly, and she was one of my all-time favorites and uh, broke down uh, graphically in the race, and she was going to be saved. They uh, learned a lot from her surgery, but when she came out of the anesthetic, she lost her mind because that's what horses do with the, coming out of anesthetic, and she started take, She saw the cast and started slamming it oh, wow. against the wall. Yeah, so they, now they put horses in harnesses so they can't hurt themselves. But uh, So I, I go way back with this. I was on the backside. I was on the track when eight bells went down, went back to the backside and saw that horror of the Philly, uh, who finished second at the Kentucky Derby back in, I want to say, 08 or 09, maybe 09. Um, we have a long way to go. And Larry Jones, by the way, a great guy, great trainer of eight bells. Uh, but there's an image problem. And the only way this is going to be solved is with a national organization. I've hit this stump. For, I mean, I, you know, let me do it. Let me be commissioner, please, because I only have one interest. I'm the Bob Costas of horse racing. I'm, I, I, Small D and small B, my podcast is just some <laughs> small guy. I'm a small fish in a big pond. But let me be king for a day. I know I love the game. I have no financial interest, but I'd only want the best for the game. If if each of these fiefdoms, racetracks, give up some power, and and the federal government would help and create a national organization with a commissioner with teeth, a Judge Landis type teeth, these things would go away. A Judge Landis or a Floyd Landis? No, no, no. That's, a, that's another doping story altogether. Hey, Fred, thanks so much for your time today. Dave, thank you very much. Always a pleasure talking to you. Fred Cowgill, WLKY. Coming up, it's kind of a big day. Jody Demling has been out of pocket for a while, in fact, on a ventilator for a while, thanks to COVID-19. But today, in a mere, well, couple hours from now, he is going to be up and ready with Cardinal Insider Live, and we'll talk to him next.
it's time to travel, folks, or getting very, very close. And if you're still a little skittish about the airlines and not sure how that's going to shake out, Cook and Reeves vans can help. They have those nine-passenger and seven-passenger luxury vans. You can drop by there just off the Waterston Expressway on Dixie Highway, literally the first left as you head toward Fort Knox, and take a tour. You will love these things. Captain's chairs, big screen TV, 29-inch. It's like an IMAX theater. The entire drive down to Destin or somewhere else if Louisville, Louisvillians go somewhere besides Destin. But these things are awesome. And if you add it together and you have, let's say, seven or nine people, the cost is quite a bit less than the airfare would have been. And you have a vehicle down there. And then you have the freedom to move. Hey, I heard 20 miles down the beach. They have this going on. Pop in the van and off you go. They also have wheelchair transportation. So when mom and dad are able to go back to the doctor and put their mask on, but you're back to work and the kids are home and whatever, it's just too much to do. They will help you out. CookandReevesVans.com, wheelchair transportation, even after hours. Jody Demling next on 790KRD. Glad to have you back. The Afternoon Underdogs delivered by Papa John's Pizza. Tony Vanetti is on vacation. Dave Jennings here. You can order online, papajohns.com. They'll do it contact-free. Delicious pizza, even dessert. And those buffalo chicken wings are really, really good. Do we have our man? Not quite yet. Ladies and gentlemen, this is kind of a big deal. Uh, We didn't realize how serious this was. Not a lot of young, healthy people come down with COVID-19, and even fewer of them have really, really bad reactions to it. Jody Demling, longtime sportscaster, cardinalauthority.com. He does sports with Terry Miners. He's one of those guys that unfortunately had it affect him more than negatively. Jody was on a ventilator for quite some time, a respirator. Doesn't remember any of that, and he's kind of dabbling at things again. But for a while, it wasn't looking good. But Jody is back. He still has some lingering issues and some minor surgeries to have, but he's able to come back to work. He's able to go live, and he will do that today starting at 6 o'clock with the Cardinal Insider. Elliot's uh, trying to grab him right now. A couple of other things while we wait for Jody Demling. This was nice to see. Matt Rule is the new coach in Carolina, and Teddy Bridgewater is one of his new people, and of course, they didn't like it in Carolina how Cam Newton was was dealt, so to speak. But Teddy Bridgewater is there, and Matt Rule said, I believe so wholeheartedly in who he is as a quarterback. I believe in his abilities. I believe in his arm strength. I believe in his accuracy. I believe in his decision-making. But beyond that, I know he's going to make everyone else that much better. Matt Rule already knows what we know, that Teddy Bridgewater is a winner. Hopefully he stays healthy. And same to you, Jody Demling. Welcome back. Yeah, I feel like the new guy today. You know, Dave, it's it's uh, it's been it actually it's been two months and a week, which is uh, seems like two years for me with everything that my bo- that my body has been through in the last two months. But it's good to be back. I'm uh, I'm excited. Well, if you ever some of these guys on TV, not to compare you to a uh, UFO survivor, but people that claim they were abducted and then returned to the same campfire, and then the campfire is out, they talk about a lost time incident. How much do you not remember of the last couple of months? Well, there's a, it's, I mean, six days are just, seven days, because the day that I came off of the ventilator, I still don't remember, but a couple things. So basically seven days, 
I don't remember a thing. Wow. And that's when Louisville – and the crazy part is that's when Louisville got a commitment from Carly Jones, who's the top grad transfer in college basketball next year, and when Jordan Wara said he was officially going to go pro. So, see, I missed – I mean, I missed a couple of fun things there as uh, as a Louisville guy. And then, uh, uh, you know, obviously just a whole week of not remembering anything at all. So it's, that's, that's what's kind of crazy. What would have been crazier is if this timed out differently and you could have awakened and we said, hey – Louisville won the national championship, and you missed it. <laughs> now that would that would have been bad. I would I would have been like, come on, seriously, you know. I mean, of all the times to, to do that, no. Um, I'm just excited to be back. Um, you know, I'm, I'm doing some stuff with Terry uh, on our sister station KS, and I just I told him, you know, with everything that's going on in our community now, and everything that's gone, it, it's these last two months. I think a lot of people. Um, would like to forget some things that have happened in the last two months and uh, and, and move on and, and get going, uh, but hopefully, um, you know, hopefully here soon everything will look better through everybody's eyes and we kind of get some positivity going back. And and I do think, you know, and not to downplay any anything mm-hmm. that's going on in our community, but I do think that sports will play a big factor into everybody feeling better about themselves moving forward. Now, before I, I, I get off of the COVID thing, because a lot of people out there are antsy to have things come back. I'm one of those guys that doesn't wear a mask. I do if I have to. Not everyone's all that concerned with social distancing. You're kind of the anomaly, a young, healthy guy who had this really hit him hard. Did the doctor say anything as to why? Did they have an explanation? No, that's the crazy part about it. We don't know where I got it. I'll probably never know where I got it. I could have gotten it from sitting right at that chair you're sitting at, Dave, right now. And I, I don't mean to scare you about that, but I mean I, I, that's the crazy part. I I don't know. Did I get it in the? Did I get it at the? Uh, you know, at work? Did I get it at the grocery store? Did I get it uh, when I went to the ACC tournament? But it was kind of a long period of time between then, and, and I, the doctor would have said he would have thought that I would have probably had symptoms before. before. Uh, I did if I had done that. Did I get it? I remember going to the post office one time. I went to my church a couple times. I didn't do a whole lot of things in between the time I got back from the ACC tournament and the time that I got sick, but I got it somewhere, and that's the scary part about it. We don't know how I got it, and we don't know where I got it. And uh, that's why I tell everybody, you know, I, I still I might not be able to get it again, but they don't know that for right. sure yet. There's a lot of speculation that, that maybe that's the case. Um, you know, I went to get lunch today and I put a mask on just because I, it just makes me, I, I know what I've been through. Right. I know what, what the last two months have been like, and, and I don't want to get hit by a semi truck again ever in my life. And that's what, that's what it felt like. I mean, obviously I've never been hit by a semi truck, obviously, but, uh, uh, but it, it just felt like something ran over me and I just lost all my strength. I lost all my energy. I lost 32 pounds and, Wow. You know, mentally, physically, emotionally, it just it took a toll on me. And uh, so, if I'm gonna have to wear a mask until they tell me for sure, hey, you can't you can't get this, then then that's what I'm gonna do. Now, the very first Cardinal Insider Live is happening tonight, not too long from now. So, how do you kick off the first show in quite some time? Do you have a spectacular guest, and will you be wearing a mask as you do it? Uh, actually, you know what? I told I, this is funny because I told Terry. 
So I'm going to do some hits with Terry. And then that last hour, normally the governor takes us off the air. And he, I don't know if he's having his press conference today. I'm like, what am I going to do? I was thinking on taking a nap then to get my body <laughs> and everything rested so I can, I can get going for six. But, no, I do have a very special guest at six. Vince Tyree is going to join me uh, at six o'clock. And, uh, you know, there's a lot to talk about. And, 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 and I'm excited to be back on the air. But, you know, they're excited today that they've got a bunch of athletes back on campus now. It's in a different way, in a different form, but we're going to talk to Vince about maybe some things that have changed since the last time we talked to him. You know, May 27th was that date. They got a few athletes in last week, I think a couple of of, uh, basketball and football players, and then I think today um, a a handful of the women's basketball players, a lot of the men's basketball players. They had What I was told, they were going to have their first uh, basketball team meeting in person. They'll be spread out. And that's the good thing about the facilities at the University of Louisville is you can go into one of those meeting rooms, a wide receiver meeting room, and you can have 12 to 15 people, and, and you've got room. You've got enough space to spread out and socially distance. So uh, Vince, is, I'm sure, will have a lot to say about uh, about about everything that you know that's kind of gone on and and then we'll talk a little i still dave i mean eastern kentucky announced football game times today wow so that's a that's a good step don't you think that's a good step in the right direction i mean i think it is that's a great step i'm looking for something besides talk something on paper and there you have it what is what does your gut tell you about college football this fall how's that going to look because these schools need the dough yeah, my gut tells me that it's going to happen, but I have no idea how it's going to look. Um, it'll be interesting to see ex- just exactly how it does look. Um, I-, I-, I think we'll have some, uh, maybe not as many fans as, as uh, mm-hmm. would normally like to have. But, uh, but again, uh, my gut tells me that we're going to have it because I think we have to have it. Thank you, Jody. Welcome back, my friend. Yep. Cardinal Insider coming up at 6 o'clock live. You are listening to the Afternoon Underdogs. Vanetti on vacation. Dave Jennings in all week on 790KRD. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.